This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Like I said, a couple of weeks ago, I started a teaching on the importance of oneness and the move of God, and we were talking mostly about being one as a whole, as the body. And we're going to continue on today in that same vein, but we're going to focus today on how the individual needs to remain one, how they need to continue and maintain their oneness. And that's where we're going. And I had a chance to listen to all the messages, uh, especially last week that I missed, and they were just on point. So just make sure you connect the knowledges. Connect the knowledge from each message that's going on, and not just from, not just from Sunday morning, but from family life. Because you're going to hear some stuff today that you probably, if you came this morning, you probably heard in family life. And I, ooh, I love, I just have to get on this today. I love how Minister Spencer said, get your image of God in your head. I love that. Because if you saw me over there, I raised my hand, but she went on later to explain what I meant, right? The image of God, it's, it's his love in you. That's what came up. I started seeing y'all faces. That was the image that came up for me. And I love how she went there. But we're going to get on some of that today, too. Because that's still all wrapped into oneness. That's all wrapped into oneness. So we know we went to our our foundational scripture. We're going to go there again. uh, John 17. Let's go ahead and turn there. Amen. And in John 17, we know this is Jesus praying that we would be one. When Jesus died and was raised from the dead, he went on to his next assignment and he left what is called the church. That's you. That's what he came to. His assignment was to come and create the church. And when he did that, he went on to his next assignment. So, we know that the church or the body of Christ is present because Jesus did what he set out to do. Oneness is here. And the question is, will you get into that oneness? Because Jesus came and did what he came to do. But will you believe it? Will you choose him? Will you get into that oneness? So let's go to John 17, and I'm going to start, I'm going to read actually, because you can read this whole chapter. I'm going to read today, verse 16 through 24. And it reads, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, and that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundations of the world. So notice, and I'm going to pick out a specific verse today because I said we're focusing in on the individual remaining one today. So I'm going to focus in on verse 24 here. I'm going to read that to you again here. It says, Father, I'm sorry, not verse 24, uh, verse 23. Yes. Actually, and 24. I am them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one. And I'm going to stop right there. And we've actually had some teachings on this before, but it's so relevant and it's so true. We've got to stay right there. Well, the word of God is true. But I want you to focus on that word, may be one. 
So I want you to know that there's that, that word made, because it does say earlier, sanctify them with thy truth. That word is truth. And we know sanctification is an ongoing process. And then you've got to see that word there, it says may. It, wants you, it says so that they may be one. So this, this denotes that there may be some that choose not to get into that oneness. Because remember, it's an ongoing process. It's a sanctification process. So there may be some of those that choose not to continue. There may be some that choose to get into the oneness, but not to continue in that oneness. They drop out of that oneness. And there's going to be some that choose not to get in that oneness at all. So it's imperative that we get a total understanding of what we need to do to remain one. To continue in our fellowship with the Father, with the Son, and with each other. It's imperative. So remember what we've been hearing over the past few weeks. Remember last Sunday. If you've accepted Christ, you're part of the fellowship. You are part of the... You've, you've accepted and you've walked into this oneness. You're part of the body. You're part of, you're part of the body of the Christ. You are part of the church. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. And we, we went over this a couple of weeks ago too, but I want to touch on this again. Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to read verse 15 through 24. Matthew 16. Verse 15 says, He saith unto them, and this is Jesus talking to the disciples, He says unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, see, remember that. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It doesn't say the gates of hell will not prevail against you. It says the church. Keep that in your mind always. Because if you try to do things on your own, guess what? The gates of hell will prevail against you. It won't prevail against Christ's church. Okay? Let's keep moving here. One second here. Let me get back. There we go. And he, and I, I'm sorry. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man what that what he that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There's the key right there. See, understand this. It's easy to say, I believe. I'm part of the fellowship. It's easy to say, oh yeah, I'm part of the body. It's easy to come on in there. But see this, what you've got to understand when you accept being part of the body, being a part of the fellowship, there's things that come along with that. You have to count the cost. Before you just jump in. Because see, Jesus told them who he was and what was coming. And there was Simon Bar, there was Peter right there like, oh, that's not, that's not going to happen to you. But Jesus said, let me bring you into my oneness. Because guess what? In this journey, in this fellowship, there's going to be struggles. 
There's going to be hardships. But there's an end goal. There's a hope. So no matter what comes my way, when you get into this oneness, we're going to endure it together. See, because Simon, Peter there, he, he was thinking of his own desires. Oh no, I don't want anything to befall, befall Jesus. But listen, it's not about what you want in this fellowship. There's an end goal, there's a hope that you have to get into. That's what it means to be in fellowship. See, there's plenty of people who start off, you know, and they say, you know, I, I, I'm in the body. But then they fall away. They don't continue. They walk away because there's no commitment. They haven't, they haven't made up their mind. They haven't made a resolute decision in their mind that this is what I'm going to have to come what may. I'm going to stick through it because this, this is a fellowship. And we're going to get a little bit further into what a fellowship is. But like I said, the key is right there in verse 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. That's key. The denial of self. That means you have to deny your differences. Let's take it back to last Sunday. You have to deny your diversities. Ooh, that was so good to me. That was so good to me. You have to deny those things that come up, that, that make separation between us. <laughs> so let me talk a little bit about fellowship. When I think of the word fellowship, there's something that always comes to mind to me. And I don't know if you've seen the movie. It's called Lord of the Rings. The very first one is called Fellowship of the Ring, right? Don't get caught up on the movie. This is what comes to mind to me. So if you watch the movie, the Fellowship of the Ring is about a group of individuals, right? All of them different races, different creatures, different sizes, different occupations. All of them coming together with one common goal in mind. They all have the same goal in mind and the same belief and, the same, and, the, and, the, and them coming together in this fellowship, they're saying, we're going to take the same method to get to this end goal. Now, here's the thing about it. They, they embark on this journey together not knowing what struggles are coming, not knowing what triumphs are coming, but they know that there's an end goal. So they embark on it and they all go in the same direction and like I said, they're all agreeing to use the same method. But when they set out on this journey, they also come, they also are provided with the necessary tools to get to that end of that journey. Nevertheless, along that way, there were still people in the, if you've seen the movie, there are people who dropped out the fellowship. There are people whose own desires came up and they ended up dying or trying to kill somebody in that fellowship. If you watch the movie, you'll be able to see that. Some of them got drawn away with their own lust for power. But then there were some that sacrificed. Because if you've seen the movie, the main character, he got the lust of power as well. But he sacrificed until the end. And the end hope still was completed. Was still completed. So the bottom line is, for the ones that did not continue, there was something that they did not agree with in that fellowship that caused them to want to be different. Cause them to want to be diverse. Cause them to want to divorce from that fellowship. See, those DIV words, I hate those when it comes to the body of Christ. Division, diversity, divorce. Those DIV, I hate those words when it comes to the body of Christ. But there were certain things that they recognized in themselves, diversities that came up in their mind, desires that came up in their mind that caused them to divorce the fellowship. To leave the fellowship. And let me go ahead and correct this in your mind. Some of them thought that their desires and their stuff were legitimate. They forgot about that end goal. 
and they saw their immediate desires, their lusts. So they decided to divorce the fellowship. And if you watch the movie, like I said, when someone fell in, the, in, in that fellowship, it did hurt that fellowship. But if you watch it, there was always someone else that came along later to refresh them. And not, not to say that it didn't hurt them, but they were still able to move on, and they never forgot what it did to that fellowship. So let's liken this to the body today. If one differs from the fellowship where they've been graced by God to be in, then it does damage to the body, and it hurts, just like it does damage to your body. If you, for example, I play the drums, right? If you can see, I don't know if you can see, but I have all types of calluses and stuff on my hands. Oh, it hurts the body when stuff like that happens. I'll bleed, but I heal over. Those dead skin cells, they fall away, and I keep going, and I keep moving. So when you, you, know, when you decide to leave where God has placed you, the body of Christ. I'm, just, I'm not just talking about a specific church building. I'm talking about the body of Christ. When you decide to leave that, there's damage done. There's pain that's, that's experienced. But we will heal. God will bring some. There will be another cell to come in and fill that place. And we'll move forward. But you've got to be resolute in your mind that I'm not. Listen, come what may. In this fellowship, in this journey that I'm on. Because that's what a fellowship is, right? It's a journey to an expected end. A journey with peaks, a journey with valleys. A journey that requires endurance. But you've got to make it up in your mind. You've got to make it up in your mind. Jalisa, I want to see you at the end of my journey. Brother Harris, I want to see you at the end of my journey. See, that's, the, that's what you have to make it up in your mind. Listen, I'm on this journey with them. And everybody in here, and everybody in the body of Christ, and I want to see them at the end of my journey. So no matter what differences, no matter what diversities, no matter what desires come up in my mind, listen, I've got to sacrifice those things because I'm committed to that end goal. See, my thing is I want you to know I'm here on this, this journey with you. Not by myself. I'm with you. I'm here to supply for you and you're here to supply for me. So I want you to know that. No matter your past and who's cut you out of your life because of what you've done, because of this fellowship, I want you in my life. See, that's the thing about Christ. We talked about qualifications. I don't care what you've done in your past. You've accepted Christ and you're in this fellowship, then I'm on this journey with you. Through your peaks, your high times, through the good times, and the bad times. Because that's what Christ has done for me. And I'm one with him. So through the good times and the bad times in this journey, just like Christ is with you, I'm with you to the end. That's what you have to make it up in your mind. See, remember, a fellowship is a removal of those differences, removal of that separation. I hope y'all caught that. That was so good. I hope y'all caught that last Sunday. It's a removal of those differences. It breaks down that which separates us. So, when you decide that you're leaving your church home that God has placed you in, you're really just acting like a rogue teenager. A rebellious teenager that didn't get their way because they wanted something different than what the standard said. 
Stubborn child throwing a, t- a temper tantrum. And God is like, well, if I give you your way, isn't that what you tried before? Isn't that why you came into the fellowship? People like to say, you know, I, 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 I just left the church. I divorced that church. I didn't leave God. Let me, let me clear something up for you. Okay. The church is his bride. So you can't divorce yourself. You're talking about you divorced that church? You can't do, if you're the church, you're not divorcing the church. You can't divorce yourself. So who are you really divorcing? Who are you really leaving? Brother Hill, you don't think I can go to another church? Let me clear something else up for you. The body of Christ is not just a building. It's a fellowship of like-minded believers. People that are made up in their mind that come what may, I'm sticking it out to the end. So let me, let me tell you this as well. I didn't say that a fellowship was a, a place where people agree 100% of the time. I didn't say everything's going to be hunky-dory all the time. But a fellowship is full of committed people. Commitment means, come what may, no matter what I'm feeling about this person or that person, they're still my brother and my sister in this fellowship that I want to see here at the end. So let me clear one more thing up for you as well. Whether you leave this church where the Spirit of God is moving, if you go to another church where the Spirit of God is moving, you're going to leave there too. Because they're going to be in one, oneness as well. It has nothing to do... See, people try to blame people for their decisions. No, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. That's what it does to your heart. It's going to offend because your heart without God is full of fleshly desires. So it's going to offend that. So, just, just to clear that up, saying you divorced that church, just remember you're the church and you can't divorce yourself. And I'm going to leave it at that. It's like people in marriage today, right? It's so easy and it's so quick to jump into marriage, but you ain't counted the cost. You haven't counted the cost. You just want to jump in and say, oh, I'm in it, I can do it. Have you counted the cost? Because marriage is a fellowship too. Just the, the husbands love their wife as Christ loved the church. And the church is his bride. It's the same thing. So use this in your marriage. For those married, use this as well. It's a fellowship. There's going to be peaks. There's going to be valleys. There must be endurance. I can promise you, in any fellowship, any journey, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be triumphs, there's going to be struggles. Sometimes there's going to be setbacks, and you're going to have to learn to deal with that too. But that's a fellowship. That's a journey. A fellowship doesn't say, that person experienced a a setback now, we're going to leave them over there. No. Ecclesiastes 4, if one prevails against them, two will withstand. A threefold cord is not easily broken. I'm coming to get my brother. He's coming with me. I'm committed to the end of their journey. Remember we said being in oneness has nothing to do with you. It's always about somebody else. 
Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. That's what Christ did. But just like like we were talking about the, in marriage, just like we have people that are so eager to just to jump into it. Jump into the body. My mother said this one time, it's so easy for people to get saved, to join the fellowship. It becomes the most difficult thing to get them to stay in that fellowship. And when I say stay in the fellowship, I mean continuing in oneness. Remaining one. Maintaining your oneness. Staying fixed and steadfast in the family of God. So, two points to continue in oneness. Continuing oneness means, number one, my heart's desire must first always be to be a part of God's family. I can't ever desire to want to be outside of God's family again. I can't ever desire to want to go against His standards. See, that's the difference of when you sin and if you sin. When you sin means I'm desiring to be outside of His standards. If you sin means I'm striving to do everything I can to stay within that standard. So I have to do what my faith requires so that I remain one with the Father, one with the Son, and one with you. Again, to continue in oneness means my heart's desire must first always be to be a part of God's family. Number two, to continue in oneness means to make the disciplines of Christ my lifetime reality, my lifetime truth. I love that word disciplines of Christ. Because if, you, if you're making his disciplines your lifetime reality, then you've become a disciple. That's what it means to be a disciple. To pick up the disciplines of Christ and adopt them as your truth. Making them your reality. See, I'm going to tell you what's not reality. People like to use, they like to use the disciplines of Christ almost like, almost a la carte. <laughs> you know, I'm coming to church because now I need something. I want something specifically. It's something that, I, that I'm looking for. Some people like to use, use it as, like, like a diet. There you go. I've gained a lot of weight. Now I need to go to church to get this weight off. And then now that I got this weight off, I can go back to doing what I want to do. And then here they come, the weight's back on again, and they're like, well, I'm going to go back and get it fixed. But here's the thing. See, now the weight's grown in another area. And it's even harder to get off. And now you come and thinking, all I need to do is do what I did before to get that weight. No, it's, it's a totally different thing. And you missed the knowledge to get that. Because you're coming out of cart, right? You're coming to picking and choosing God's word instead of accepting it as a whole. I'm going to tell you, accepting bits and pieces means you've rejected it all. That's how you get false teachings. That's how you get generations of people believing false teachings. Because people getting that word out of cart. Having it your way. Like Burger King, you can't have it your way. It's not about your way. You can't have it your way. You have to make the disciplines of Christ your reality. 
your truth. You have to be a disciple. And this commitment, you can't get a la carte. It takes a lifetime. We talk, that's what sanctification is. It's a lifetime commitment. But don't worry, God is committed to you for a lifetime. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. For a lifetime. Nevertheless, the cycle continues. People still come and try to pick and choose what they want and end up in the same cycles of life. Never changing. Wondering why I can't get out of this. I thought I had the victory over this. You never had total victory. Because you're doing things your own way. You're choosing your order, your arrangement of worship instead of what God has ordained. We talked about your own order of worship. Y'all remember with King Uzzah? What happened when they had their own, when they were pushing, y'all remember that, right? We'll get to that later again. So you must walk, your your walk must be a lifetime reality. So, how do I remain one? Number one, and I've already been saying this word a lot, in order to remain one, I must be committed to God. Commitment. Commitment is real strong, real strong. Uh, if we could get commitment, we would see strength, and we'll get there. Yeah. See, in order to be to, committed to God, I must choose Him and continue to choose Him all the days of my life. That's what I mean when I say your walk has to be a lifetime reality. That's what we mean when we say it's a sanctification process. is for a lifetime. You have to continue to choose Him for a lifetime. Because you're going to be presented with, with decisions every day that are not Christ. And you have to continue to choose Christ in all of those decisions. Why? Because if you don't choose Christ, how would the world see His glory? If not through you, then who? If not through the ones that, that, that the Spirit is in, then who? It's not about you. You have to continue to choose Christ so that others can see Him. It is a choice, though. I tell you what, I was, on, I was on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about choosing Christ. And a friend of mine from high school, and to be honest with you, I haven't talked to him personally since high school. I've said, hey, on Facebook. He follows and, and likes some of my posts and some of my comments. And so he asked me, you know, he said, and I, I made a comment about choosing Christ. And he asked me, he said, well, do we choose God or does he choose us? And so I explained to him, I said, well, God has chosen us by sending his son. But it's our job to choose him by accepting his son. See, Christ gave himself for the church. And the church are those who choose to believe that. It's a choice. You have to choose to believe that. God, and I had to explain to him, I said, listen, God is not going to take your free will from you. You have to surrender your will to him. It's a hard issue. That's the only way you're going to choose him. You have to surrender it to him. But the only way somebody's going to be able to do that is if they see his glory in you. They've got to see that you surrendered it. Otherwise, that's all it is. And they're like, I've seen this already. I do a lot of this already. The proof is in the pudding. 
Put your hands to the plow. Continue in oneness. Like I said, it's more than a confession with your mouth. Believing denotes action. Believing lights a fire under you. I'm going to tell you what believing does. Believing, when you believe something, for example, my brother believed it was the end of the world. He got up and came in there running. It, it, gets, it gets you up. It gets you moving. It puts action. It lights a fire under your butt. And if, you ain't, if, you, if you've been in this ministry or in the body of Christ for any length of time and you have no fire under you, nothing lit under you, you need to check to see if you really, truly believe. Because believing denotes actions. But look at your other actions, though. Am I consistently out of God's standard? Am I consistently doing what I know is not right? Having sex outside of marriage? I'm going to stay right there and let that sink in. Because if you continually do that, then what are your beliefs? Because what you believe, you're going to start continually doing. So like I said, you find yourself in the same cycles. Now we need to start questioning our beliefs. That's why you can't come and get the word a la carte. Because you don't know what you believe. You believe that one little statement that you keep getting a la carte. But the word says something else about it too. That's why I always laugh when people, they, a lot of people who don't know the Bible, they like to go to Proverbs and just pull a scripture out of Proverbs. A proverb. This is a proverb. This is a proverb. Yeah, but did you read it in context? You can't just take your word a la carte. Because all you believe in at that point are words put together in a sentence. The Spirit hasn't illuminated nothing to you. You really, you think it's God, but you're still relying on your flesh. You're relying on what you know. So my, my point is, when I said you have to keep believing, my point is, if you're committed to what you say you believe, then others will witness it because you're walking by faith in the principles of Christ. They'll be able to notice and say, oh, that's a disciple of Christ. Or if they don't know what Christ looks like, they're going to say, that's not what I see. That's not what I know. That's something totally different. That's going to draw their attention. And then that's your way in. Because they, they, at that point, they can't restrain but ask you about that. Because I'm going to tell you, the goodness of the Lord, everybody wants that. They may, they may not say it, but when they see it and experience it, oh, that's when, that's, when, that, that's when walls start to fall. That's when mountains get moved. That's when miracles are performed. That's when people that say, I'll never go back to organized religion. That's when they're right there, back in the body of Christ. So, what does it mean to be committed? What does committed mean? And you can write this down. Committed is the state or quality of dedicating oneself to a cause all the days of your life. Our cause being the cause of Christ. I'm going to say that again. Committed means, or committed is the state or quality of dedicating oneself 
to a cause all the days of your life. And like I said, in our fellowship, our cause is the cause of Christ. I still see some people writing, so I'm going to say it one more time. Committed the state or quality of dedicating oneself to a cause all the days of your life. And there's something I want you to understand about commitment. What we love the most gains our affections. It gains our commitment. And what we love the least, that's when you start giving your excuses. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. That's called a lack of commitment. Let's go to Luke chapter 14, and we're going to see. Luke 14, and I'm actually going to read <clears throat> verse 16, and I'm going to do a lot of reading today. 16 through 34. Verse 16, and it says, Then said he unto him, This is Jesus, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that, that were bidden, Come for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. See, this is, this is the lack of commitment we're talking about. They begin to make excuse. Here we go. I'm sorry. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray the, the, the have me excused. Now, when I read this, I've seen this personally. This specific thing. Oh, I can't be committed to the body of Christ right now because I've come into some land. Wait, 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 wait. So God gave you that and said, take a break from the body. I need you to go get this land. That's, that's the same God that I know? It's an excuse for lack of commitment. 19. And another said, I have brought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. See, these all these are excuses I've seen before in the church. Every last one of these, every last one of these is, oh, I'm dealing with this issue with my wife, so I can't come to the place where it can get fixed. I'm just trying to do one plus one real quick. One plus one and your mind equals five. Whereas you're having problems, you agree that this is the fix because you're part of the fellowship where God has placed you, but I can't come because I'm having problems. That's an excuse. Lack of commitment. Not only a lack of commitment to the body, you're lack, you, it's a lack of commitment to your family because your family needs you to come to the body. It needs you to, it needs you to, congreg- it needs you to come and get the word. It's a lack of commitment to God. Verse 21. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring them, all to, bring them hither. I'm sorry, I almost went to my vernacular. Bring, them, bring, them, bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bitten shall taste of my supper. 
Verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. Pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. That's commitment. See, deny yourself, sometimes it may mean I have to deny, what did it say? Your, forget your, your, your mother, your father. Sometimes God calls you out of your kindred. Y'all remember that from family life? God will call you out. So that later you can come back and get them. But somebody has to be full of my glory first. So that somebody can see my glory. So I'm calling you out of the darkness. Verse 27. And whoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I'm going to read that again. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Let's read that all together. And whosoever Let me let me let me make it a little simpler for you. Whosoever is not committed cannot be my disciple. Let me make it simple. Commitment is a must. For this fellowship. The fellowship of Christ. For this journey, commitment is a must. Individual commitment. Then we can see the body as a whole committed. It's a must. 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether ye have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, and that, behold, it began to mock him. See, what he's saying here is what I said earlier. You need to count the cost. You have to be committed to be my disciple. Count the cost before we get into it. That's, why you can, that's another reason why you can't get the word out of the cart. You need to count the cost. He goes through it all through the word. He, goes, he says, in his fellowship, guess what? You're going to receive persecution. There's going to be struggles for his name's sake. Count the cost. Verse 30. Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulted whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with the 20,000. This is still talking about counting the cost. Or else while the other is yet a great way off, or he sendeth in an ambassage and sorry, and desire conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? That savor is your commitment. That's the savor. It's your passion. It's your commitment. And if you lose that, you cannot be his disciple. I didn't say that. That's what God's word says. Who in here believes that God's word is true? I didn't say it. That Savior is your commitment. So you need to check and see, has your salt lost its Savior? Am I committed? No matter what. Have I counted the cost? Have I, have I made up in my mind to come what may, I'm in this journey with you. 
to the end. Listen, I may not like you, but I love you, and I have to. So come what may. I shouldn't even say that, because guess what? The people that you don't like, God wants them too. The people you can't stand to see, God wants them. So has your salt lost its savor? Are you committed? Because committed means the people that you can't stand, you're going to have to love. Your commitment must cause you to love the Lord with all your heart. But here's the thing. Jesus loves all. So that means you can't have a divided heart. You can't. Your desires, your, your differences, your diversities, they got to be gone in oneness. You have to be committed. See, the way it is most nowadays is I want to get my wants and my needs fulfilled first. And then if I have time left over, I can try to be committed. That's not commitment. He just said, you're not his disciple. But too often, that's, that's the way it is nowadays. I want to get what I get done first, and then if there's any time left over, I'll try to be committed. I'll give God what's left. I'm glad he doesn't have that type of mentality. That's not commitment, and it's going to surely lead you out of oneness. See, because true commitment starts with sacrifice. That's the thing about it. What you're committed to, you're willing to sacrifice for. Think about it. Everything or everyone that you've sacrificed or that you've done something that you're committed to, you have no problem with sacrificing for. That's my child. No problem sacrificing for. It's a gimme, right? In the fellowship, there's some gimme's too. There's some, there's some things that you should have no problem sacrificing for. I didn't say it wouldn't be hard. I said you should have no problem sacrificing for. I didn't say it wouldn't be struggles. Because the Bible says in this fellowship and in this journey, there's going to be struggles. I count, count the cost. But you have to sacrifice. You have to say, my brother and my sister in this body, they're worth it and I'm invested. I'm invested to the end. Until I'm fulfilled. Until I'm perfected in this oneness. I've made up my mind. I'm committed. And like I said earlier, there's strength in your commitment. Remember we said a couple weeks ago, strength... I said oneness brings strength when opposition comes. Remember that? Well, the strength of your oneness is contingent on your commitment. Write that down. The strength of your oneness is contingent on your your commitment. So like I said, the strength in opposition, your commitment will deter opposition. You think about it. In this specific ministry here, Church of the Living Water. The ones that you know are committed, come what may, 
that, that opposition garbage, you won't bring it to them. You won't bring it in their face because you know what's coming. See, commitment deters opposition. But they know who's not committed. They know who, can bring that, who they can bring that garbage to. Because there's a lack of commitment. Oh, you can almost name the people in here where you're like, oh, don't bring that mess to them. They're committed. No matter what you say, come what may, they're committed. They, listen, they've denied themselves. They've taken up their cross and they're following Christ. See, because that's the problem, right? People think you're following a man. You're following a person. No, 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 no. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Christ. So if you're one of those ones that are always caught up in mess, check your commitment level. Check your savor. And if you just can't come to the point where you see yourself as one of the ones that the opposition doesn't come to, then you need to ask yourself, is there something that I would do that would cause me to leave the, the fellowship of Christ? Because they keep coming to me with this garbage. Is there something that, the, that they that, is there something that the enemy sees in me that that's like just keep going at that because it's going to cause me to leave because that's that's ultimately what he wants you to do is leave. That's a mature question. It takes a mature person to ask the Spirit of God to reveal those things to him. God, do you see anything in me that that I will cause it to my, let myself be separated from you? Anything that will cause me to leave you and your oneness? Ask God to search your hearts and your minds. He'll show you. He'll reveal it to you if you're serious. Ask Him. Because like I said, the strength of our oneness is contingent on commitment. And if you're committed, then you need to ask God that question. That's a committed question. If you don't have that type of commitment, sin is at your door and oneness is on the way out. Because let me tell you this, and you can write this down. The lack of commitment leads to sin. Plain, plain and simple. Write that down. The lack of commitment, it leads to sin. See, because lack of, lack of commitment, what that does, it leads to shortcuts. Doing things your own way instead of God's ordained order. God's ordained method of worship, like we were talking about King Uzzah. Go to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to look at somebody trying to do things their own way. A lack of commitment. We're going to also see how he tried to blame it on somebody else. Genesis chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the first the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. 
And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thou countenance fallen? If thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. If you're committed, won't you be accepted? If you're not committed to my order, the way that I've told you, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So I'm going to actually go ahead and break this down. Do I have time to? Yeah. So, the offering which these men brought to the Lord is what's known, it's a sacrificial offering. Okay? It's an act of worship. And like I said, God has ordained a method of worship for them to do. That they have to be committed to. Then in verse 3 it says, let me read verse 3, and in the process of time, I want you to note that right there, in the process of time denotes there's been a period of time and now something's about to change. Something's about to change in the order of, of Cain's attitude toward worship. I want you to turn to, keep your finger here in Genesis 4, and let's turn to Leviticus chapter 7 real quick. So I want you to kind of, I want you to understand why Abel brought the firstborn, firstborn of his flocks and the fat thereof, because that's found here in Leviticus. But keep your fingers in Genesis. Leviticus chapter 7, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. And it says, Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall, shall they kill the trespass offering. And the blood thereof shall he sprinkle round about the altar. And he shall offer, it, offer of it all the fat thereof, the rump and the fat that covereth the inwards. So this is, this is what, what a symbol of what, or a likeness of what Abel was doing. And this was found in the Mosaic law. And this trespass offering here, this is the offering that represents salvation by grace, through faith. That's what this is. And what Cain offering represented was salvation by the works of his own hands. Doing his own method of worship. Salvation with lack of commitment. That's what Cain's offering represented. And if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, it says... It says Abel's offering was, was, was far more greater than that of... Ex was more excellent is the word to use, which means more superior than that of Cain. And God testified of his gifts. And see, that's what caused Cain... That's what caused his jealousy, if you will. And his, it caused him to want to blame his brother. But here's the thing about it. His brother received the same instructions that he did. He, he received the exact same instructions... And you're going to try to blame it on him that he followed the instructions of God. I tell you this, what your brother does has nothing to do with what you're doing, with your commitment, with your, or lack thereof. He has to abide by the same instructions. 
You can't blame your brother for your lack of commitment. That goes back to those excuses. You can't have no excuses for your lack of commitment. Because those excuses don't come up when it's your desires. That's like I heard before. I, I told you about a friend of mine who at, at work who said, I, I just can't, I, I don't do organized religion anymore because of something that happened at the church. Somebody mistreated me. I don't deal with that. No, it's some lack of commitment. And you're looking for your scapegoat. But God isn't mocked. God has made you an intelligent being. He, he gives you things simply so that you can understand. He's not trying to confound you. You're confounding yourself. It's plain and it's simple. Got to be committed. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Him. So, what must I commit to so that I remain in my oneness? Very simple. Number one, I must commit to the truth. <laughs> John 17 and 17, one of my favorite scriptures. Sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. I have to be committed to that process. I have to be committed to being sanctified by the truth. I have to be committed to the constant renewal of my mind. I have to be committed to having clean hands and a pure heart so that I could be useful to the kingdom. I have to be sanctified to the truth. God's word is truth. Jesus is the truth. I have to be committed to Jesus. See, the truth is that which is unchangeable. And the only thing that's unchangeable is God's Word. Jesus is unchangeable. Oh, the world tried to change Him. The enemy tried to change Him. Tried to, try, try to give Him imagery. <laughs> tried to change Him. I'm unchangeable. God's Word is true. I came to do something and I'm going to do it. And we all know again, and I'm just going to say it just to make sure we have it. Sanctify means to purify, to beautify, to consecrate, to set apart. And that's a constant process, an ongoing process, a lifetime process. See, remember how you were when you came to Christ? You were weighed down, polluted with the cares of this world, unfiltered. And then here comes God with the truth of the word. And he started cleaning. Cleaning. Connect us back to our, our services on Wednesday night. The word is the discerning agent. There's your filter. She mentioned it this morning. The word. Sharper than a double-edged sword. That can distinguish between what's merely soulish and what's from God. So you have to allow the word to become that filter. 
when the word becomes that filter, what it does is it filters out everything that you've already picked up from the world. It says, oh, but that's not right. I know your response is this. I know your response is that. But run it through here and leave it out. And not only does it filter things out, but it keeps stuff from getting in. That's why, that's why you can't come get an a la carte word. That's why it has to be a constant, a constant lifetime. Because stuff is always coming in. Whether you come for these two hours a week to get the word or not, every day something's coming in. So the truth is there to beautify you, sanctify you. That's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is the truth, the word. It's there to beautify you, to sanctify you. It keeps you. It protects you. So that you remain useful for the body. That's why he's graced you in this body. But you have to be useful. We have to remember that in and of ourselves there's nothing we can do to keep us. It's only the word that sanctifies us. And if you don't spend time with the word, when you're presented with things that'll pull you away, then you're just going to revert back to what you do know. Because if you don't know the word, you do know what's of the flesh. You do know that. So if you don't know the word, you're going to revert right back. If you're not filtering it through the word, you're going to revert back to what you do know. You're going to revert back to what you've been practicing for years. You can think about it. There's some people, and I'm just going to stay here because we need to. There's some people who have seen from the world and heard from the world it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. And have accepted that as their truth. Even though there's something inside. Even though they may have heard from mama or from anybody. They may have heard, you need to wait until you get married. You need, that's, that's only meant for the covenant of marriage. So you've heard the truth, but have you, made, have you accepted it as your reality? Because if you had, then you, and you believe it, what do we say believe do? Believe and put that into action. But what, are you, what is your belief? Like I said earlier, you, you hopping right in that bed with the quickness. So you believe in the world's truth. The world's lies. <laughs> but you're making it your truth. So how am I to be sanctified by the truth? Great question. You have to know the truth intimately. That's it. You have to know the truth intimately. And when I say know the truth intimately, I mean you have to have a bond or fellowship with the truth. With Jesus. You have to become one with the truth. You know, like, because Jesus is the truth. You, you have to become one with the truth. 
Make it your reality. That's what makes the difference. Many people hear the truth. Like I said, you may have heard from your mama. That's, that's, that's what, you're supposed to keep that in the covenant of marriage. Yeah, many people hear it. But do you know it? Do you have fellowship with that truth? Let me help you. Accepting Christ is the beginning of your bond with the truth. But you have to nurture that bond. You have to develop that bond. Just like anybody you want to be intimate with, you've got to spend time with it. That's how you make the truth your reality. Which means, if all you do, if the only time you spend with Him is here, you got to get up outside of the, the church is not these four walls. you got to get it up out of these four walls. It's easy to say within these four walls that I have a relationship with the truth. But let's see when you get out on that edge and you're right there about to fall. If you have a relationship with the truth. Or if you just jump on off. That's when you, that's when you know. That's when you'll be able to see, do I have a relationship with the truth? Am I just informed of the truth? Did somebody tell me or did I accept it as my truth? Did I choose truth? Remember I said earlier, you got to continue to choose Christ. Christ who is the truth. You have to continue to choose truth. All the days of your life. And you can't wait to choose truth when you're at that edge. See, because when you're choosing truth, it's because you practice choosing truth. Let me tell you something about practice. Before you were a Christian, you were practicing being a sinner. Your choice was fleshly. And the only thing that comes out of the flesh is sin. Let me give you an example of practice. I love the word practice. So we had the 4th of July parade back, uh, what was it, last week? And we had two songs that we practiced, we practiced for the parade. So we got there a little early, and we were actually just warming up, doing some stuff. And if you don't know, there's a group in our church called Salt. And we were playing around, and we just started playing one of their songs. Fine. It's all good. No problem. We played it, had a good time, parade started. And we were supposed to do two songs. In that parade, all of a sudden, let's do that song by song. Now, I call myself a musician because I'm a practicing drummer. Okay? I don't just pick up the sticks and play. I'm a practicing drummer. So here we are at the Fourth of July parade, and Sarah said, we're doing a song by song. Well, thank God that I've practiced. Because it was ready to go. But that ain't it. In the middle of the song, Sarah looks over at me talking about drum solo. And I looked at her again and she said, drum solo. Mind you, like I said, we didn't practice the song, but I was a practicing drummer. 
So, even though it was probably a split second for her when she did this, the drum solo, time slowed down for me, and I was like, but then I, but then I was, I was like, you know what? But I practice. I practice. I don't need to worry. I'm prepared. I'm ready for it coming my way. And it went off without a hitch. But do you understand what I'm saying? You have to be a practicing believer. You got to practice it. If you wait until you get to that edge and you're out of practice, guess what? You're going off. You might as well give no opposition because it is none. You're going to go back to what you used to practice. Your old decisions. Sex outside of marriage, I've been practicing that for a while. Let's just do it again. I've made it out okay, I think. You got to spend time with what you're learning and put it to use. That's what turns you from a sinner to a believer to a Christian practicing the truth. Not waiting until you're confronted and you and now you you you, you can't keep your head above water. This is you too busy trying to keep your head above water to even know what the truth is at that point. But if you're practicing it, when the water starts to rise and somebody looks at you and says, Drum solo You say, Oh, but I can swim. I'm not starting to drown because I'm not out of practice. I practice what I've, been, what I've been learning. I practice the truth. I don't just read about it. I don't, I don't want to just be informed about it and know about it. I want to practice it. You've got to be developed before those impossible situations come. That's how God makes the impossible possible. He said, you want the impossible to be possible? Just know my truth. And the impossible becomes possible. When I say impossible, you don't have to think real spectacular. Something, it's impossible for some people to stay out of sex outside of marriage. But why is it? Because they don't know the truth. Oh, I'm sure they've heard it before. You can ask anybody. Is it... Have you been taught that sex outside of marriage is all right? I can, I can tell you, 99% of the time they're going to say no. But do you know that truth? Or you just, you just heard it? Have you accepted it as your truth? And this goes across the board. I'm just using sex outside of marriage because I know that this room can relate. So it takes time and commitment to know the truth. Because like I said, it's a lifetime thing. It takes time and commitment. It takes a lifetime of commitment. So also, to be committed to the truth, we must agree to take the truth as our truth and make it our reality. Now, making the truth our reality requires faith. And this goes back to what I was saying about believing. Faith without works is dead. Remember, your, your beliefs motivate your actions. 
I said it before, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith, what faith is, your faith substantiate, um, this is my translation on Hebrews 11.1, 1, now your faith substantiates the covenants of God, or the truth of God, which we eagerly hope for. It is the convincing proof so strong, it makes that which we hope for our reality. Or what I live for. And that faith, it comes by hearing, and hearing of the truth, by the truth. Sanctify them with thy truth, thy word is truth. So making the truth my reality, and I'm going to have to stop after, let's see. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and stop there because I am out of time and I'm not going to get there. I'm going to go ahead and stop there. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.